0: Learn how to teach your dog how to be a service
1: dog. And welcome to From Shelter Dog to Service Dog with Janice Wolf. It was a very exciting day today. I was over at the Calais School utilizing our, uh, one of our rescue dogs, Cleo. And her delightful handler, um, Certified Canine Behaviorist and uh, Therapeutic Facilitation, Laura Ferment, who did a beautiful job, and also with uh, Casey Butler and her wonderful Callie, who is Wyatt's granddaughter. And we were doing a wonderful presentation about our programs for therapeutic facilitation and behavioral intervention using our um, amazingly well-trained in, uh cortisol detection dogs who are um, trained specifically to help children and others who have serious emotional issues that uh, cortisol is often a pretty interesting precursor to. So what we were doing is it was actually for a uh, presentation for uh, uh, a very interesting company that uh, ensures schools for this kind of liability when people bring in animals or have programs. And what was the most kind of unique thing was really seeing our program, which I created, and seeing other people who have learned it and mastered it. And I was just smiling inside. I was smiling on the outside, too, but I was smiling on the inside a lot because I realized how advanced our company has become and how many amazing people around the country have been privy to this and are now taking my techniques and really taking them all over the world. So it was a very interesting, very fun day, but I was also taking stock of certain things because, you know, there's so many dogs out there who could be great service dogs or even just uh, regular therapy dogs in school or, you know, or in a library or in a hospital and helping people. And they'll never have that chance because somebody gave up on them, like our little beagle. We were her fourth home, and she was only uh, about four and a half, five months old. And that's a really scary thing because she is so amazing and wonderful with the kids and has learned all the different uh, modalities and things we've taught her, but yet there are four million dogs dying every single year, plus. They're saying somewhere between 8 and 12 million cats. Now, I'm not a cat person, as you all know, but, I mean, I love all animals, and I love every furry creature or scaled creature or, you know, funny-looking creature <laughs> and feathered creature. But it's very sad that so many people don't have that responsibility to animals and don't know what to do. That is one of the reasons that I wrote my my second, well, not my second, but my recent uh, canine behavior book called "Shh Happens, S-H-H-H, "Shh Happens, Dog Behavior 101, and that I priced it at 9.99 on Amazon for your Kindle because I wanted people to be able to afford it. And that doesn't sound like a lot of money, but so many rescues like 11th Hour Rescue and Pet Rescue and um, a lot of the Schnauzer rescues in Houston, which I handle quite a few, and German Shepherd rescues and, of course, Ridgeback rescues recommend my book, and some of them even make it mandatory for adopters to, uh, to, to read. So I didn't want to make it a very big, expensive book, even though it's certainly well worth that price, but what I love is to be able to see somebody like the lovely lady who came on Saturday with her rescue dog to our group training classes in Jersey City. It was just a really nice day. It was kind of windy, but it was a really fun day. And I brought Romeo and Savannah, who are certainly not rescues, but we were out there with a bunch of our rescue dogs and all different kinds of dogs and people. And to see, you know, my dogs, where I just take them off leash and, you know, just let them run, and they play very nicely with each other. They don't get into dog fights. They stay away from dogs who are unstable. And they're just kind of on their own and having fun. And then the stark reality that, A lot of the people who have dogs can't do that, and it's really sad because I think we all try when we're going to get a dog, whether it's from a a champion, grand champion show breeder like myself or from someone who rescues a lot of dogs from shelters and rescues down south and all around the country like I also do. Um, But it's that really stark reality of seeing a well-behaved, well-balanced dog who is confident, and follows the owner because the dog loves the owner, not because the owner's got a bag of cookies in their pocket, and not because it's afraid of the owner and afraid to run away because it doesn't know what would happen. It's just so cool to see the dogs that were able to play, and then it's so sad to see the people who can't allow their dogs off-leash or can't allow their dogs to socialize with other people or dogs because the dogs are, you know, people-aggressive or dog-aggressive. And I want to contribute something more than just all the books I've written and the techniques for United Canine Professionals and Merlin's Kids. I really want to spend today, or at least a few segments today, on teaching you what you're doing wrong. And maybe it's not you who are doing something wrong, but maybe it's a dog that maybe your friend's dog or your parent's dog or a neighbor's dog, and you see these people making the same mistakes over and over expecting a different result. Well, that's a definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. If if you add 2 plus 2 and you get 5 and you keep saying, well, 2 plus 2 is 5, you can say it a million times it doesn't make it right, but somebody's got to sit you down and explain to you why you're making that mistake And then you don't make the mistake anymore. Now, a mistake on a math problem, you get the problem wrong. But a mistake with a dog, very often that dog winds up in a shelter or rescue or euthanized or locked in a cage all day long. And we don't want that for our dogs. We really need to start changing the way humans are thinking and acting so that those humans are doing a new thing, a different thing. Something that works, something that dogs understand. Not something that people made up, but something that dogs have been doing for tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of years. And that is being a dog. Dogs do what dogs do because they're dogs. Little boys do what little boys do because they're little boys. Women do what women do because we're women. And that's the whole point. Why are we treating our dogs like humans? And that's doing them a great disservice. I treat my dogs like dogs. That's what they deserve. They deserve to have the things that they need. They deserve to have someone who's their leader, who's their mentor, who's their parent, who's their guardian, and who's teaching them the right way so that they can have this beautiful, wonderful, healthy, happy life. And that was so blatantly obvious to me on Saturday while we were looking at the beautiful Statue of Liberty on this gorgeous park where we could see the entire New York City skyline. And we go there quite often. And it's amazing. The same dogs are on leash, and the same people don't take their dogs near the other dogs because they want to see, but they can't. Um, go near the other dogs because they know that their dogs might become dog aggressive or dog reactive. Well, let's try to fix that. Now, this was a particularly bad winter. Why was it so bad? Because of all the snow. Okay, Janice, you're brilliant. You're a meteorologist. Okay, great. You noticed there was snow. I'm impressed. Well, that's not why, obviously. The other reason is we're not out as much. We're not taking our dogs out and so many people were not taking their dogs for walks or for just very short walks. And our hunt, wait, eat can't work unless you're actually taking the dog out and doing the things the dog needs. So today I'm going to go through all the different things that you need to change to change your dog's behavior. So stay tuned. I'll be right back.
0: Share the amazing stories of shelter dogs whose lives are changed by changing others. New Vet Plus,
2: your pet's best friend. Nuvet Plus is an immune system builder that is safe for all stages of your dog's life. Helps eliminate most issues, including allergies, scratching and itching, hot spots, arthritis and joint issues, chronic ear infections, tear staining, lack of energy, digestive issues, and so much more all-natural, manufactured in an FDA-registered human pharmaceutical lab here in the USA, using ingredients sourced in the USA. Nothing artificial, no sugars, wheat, corn, or dyes. Never heat-treated to help retain all the natural rich ingredients. Comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and is only pennies a day. Call us Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. 1-800-474-7044, that's 1-800-474-7044, and tell them you're referred by All Paws Pet Talk Radio, or go online to www.newvet.com, that's www.nuvet.com, use order code 33955, again www.newvet.com, order code 3395. Put your pet on the path to good health.
0: Share the incredible process of shelter dogs whose lives are saved and are saving the lives of special needs
1: children. And welcome back to From Shelter Dogs to Service Dogs with Janice Wolf. We're talking about dogs and we're talking about enjoying dogs. We have so many amazing people at United Canine Professionals and, you know, we have our new classes starting up this month and not just our regular training for those people who are interested in becoming certified as natural canine behavior rehabilitation specialists but also for our yearly yes yearly it takes almost a full year class to become certified either as a um, therapeutic facilitation or behavioral intervention specialist or to do the cancer and disease detection dogs, either the mass samples or the real-time dogs, which we are the only ones in the world to do the real-time dogs. And uh, we have so many other aspects. We have courtroom testimony dogs. We have um, dogs that can work in group homes. And then regular service dogs for autism for Asperger's, ADD, ADHD, for physical mobility dogs, diabetic alert dogs, and seizure dogs, you name it. And it's really the same thing. People will always say, well, how, how can you just train all those different kinds of dogs? Well, I know how to rehabilitate a dog with a behavioral issue. And I know how to teach a dog to be a good, calm, stable influence. And I know especially how to train humans to make them calm and confident and in control of our uh, furry friends. So it doesn't really matter what the specialty is that you choose. We have an entire team across the country who trains people and teaches dogs how to um, change what the humans are doing in order to change the behavior. Now, I've heard people say on rare occasion that you know, oh, you know, you're like somebody else. You're like that guy on TV. Nah, I've been doing it longer than that guy on TV's even been alive or in this country. It's not really about uh, that person or a person. It's about dogs. I always joke and I say I'm the Jane Goodall of dogs. I've learned everything from dogs. And not just from watching a video of a dog, but from living in a pack of Anywhere from, well, now 19, I've had up to 22 in one location, dogs who are really the best dogs in the world, but they are the best dogs in the world because they're living with me and they learn from the beginning what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. So all we're doing, like when my puppies are playing, and you hear my puppies are playing in my studio so I I can watch them. They're playing, but if they get a little too over the top, either Mama Dog or Wyatt or or somebody will correct them or I'll correct them. And that's how the puppies continue to learn and be good puppies. But what do you do if you adopted a pup or or an older dog who maybe didn't have the benefit of growing up in my house or growing up with a mommy dog? And you know something? Along those lines, if your dog was a singleton, in other words, it was the only one, they tend to grow up like some only children They tend to grow up feeling entitled and socializing more with different groups of of dogs or people. If you have a puppy from a large litter, you always want to choose one that's somewhere in the middle. You don't want to choose the most dominant, and you don't want to choose the most fearful. I've heard more people than I'd like to uh, acknowledge say, well, I picked the one that was getting beaten up by everybody because I figured he wouldn't ever give us trouble problem is that the dog is getting beaten up either he's got a physical or a behavioral issue already or he's not strong he's a failure to thrive baby now that puppy who's the weaker one could possibly grow up and be a fearful or fear aggressive dog because depending on the temperament and depending on the circumstances that little puppy feels like nobody's taking care of him now let's go back to why is there a puppy or why are there puppies who are overly dominant in a litter of puppies who is raised by a human or why are there some that are so fearful that they develop fear aggression well because nobody's in charge people who are breeding all these mixed breed designer disasters and i don't have anything against mixed breed dogs i've got a bunch of them myself but Anybody who spends two or three thousand dollars on a mixed breed, you know, basically we call them mutts. They're mutts, and you think that this person is a breeder and does a good job, and then sells the puppies at six or eight weeks of age. That is not a good age to get a puppy. Puppies go in and out of fear phases, fear, impact, flight, instinct. They go through classification, seniority classification, and dominance periods. And the thing is that you should be avoiding is not having a puppy that's between that 8 and 12 weeks. You want to get a puppy at 12 weeks of age if the breeder will keep him that long with the other members of the litter and with parents, uncles, aunts, cousins, whatever. Because if you have a dog, a puppy, who's 8 weeks old, and now he's going through his seniority classification period from 8 to 12 weeks of age, so now he's going through that dominance phase, when he's got you wrapped around his little paw, going, "Oh, look how cute he is! Oh, I know he's nipping on the kids, and he's trying to chomp on them, but he's only a puppy. he'll grow out of it. No, he's not going to grow out of it because you're teaching him the wrong way to start. You're teaching him that it's okay to pick you know to grab your child by the by the clothing or by the arm, or God forbid by the face. you're not teaching the dog setting him up for success, you're setting them up for failure. So when you get a puppy or a dog, initially, don't feel that you've got to, um, you know, give him, you know, the best of, uh, you know, the best of, uh, of everything and, um, you know, and, and make sure that you don't offend him. You want to just teach him rules, teach him from the beginning what's expected in your home, and he'll grow up to be a really well-behaved, well-mannered fun joy to be around instead of being you know a, a mess that you're going to be hiring trainers and then eventually calling somebody from united canine professionals to help you with so stay tuned we'll be right back
0: learn how to teach your dog how to be a service dog
3: when it comes to health expenses dog owners have it rough now thanks to veterinarian and dermatologist Dr. Kristen Holm your dog can be goo healthy There's Doggy Goo to fight environmental pet allergies, Goo Gut Rescue for rescuing your dog's gut health, and Goo Silver, a broad-spectrum supplement for the special needs of your senior varsity dog. So visit HealthyGoo.com today or call 855-246-2426 and your dog can be Healthy Goo healthy.
0: Share the amazing stories of shelter dogs whose lives are changed by changing others.
1: And welcome back to From Shelter Dog to Service Dog with Janice Wolfe. Well, we're talking about different things that you can do to teach your puppy, if you happen to start out with a puppy, or your dog, who you get from a rescue or shelter. Now, People ask me all the time, "Well, Janice, how can you how can you guarantee that the dog is going to have a good temperament? You don't know who his parents are." Well, anyone who's adopted and you don't know who your parents are, you sure know who you are. It doesn't matter where you came from. It matters who raises you and it matters who teaches you. Can genetics have an impact? Of course genetics can have an impact. Absolutely, because genetics are genetics. But if you if you grab a puppy from the shelter or if you grab a puppy from a breeder other than health issues like demodectic mange or potentially sarcoptic mange, um, coccidia, or some of the other diseases and uh, protozoal infestation bacterial infections that dogs can get because of unclean surroundings, typically if you are raising your puppy in a way that is uh, conducive to the puppy being um you know, a healthy and happy individual, um, you should be pretty much fine and hopefully be able to raise this puppy to be a good adult. But just like you've seen with some of these seeing-eye dogs and and dogs that are raised to be service dogs from puppies, most of these places only have somewhere between a 20 and 30% success rate. Why, you may ask? Because you're only as good as your puppy raiser. And even let's go back before that. If somebody was, were going to be raising one of my Ridgeback puppies to be a service dog, and we have a bunch of them that are going to be service dogs, I've been putting in time. That first 12 weeks is everything. Forget about raising the puppy at 12 weeks. You're, that first 12 weeks that I'm putting in or that a breeder is putting in, those are the weeks that are so important. Because my puppies already know not to jump on me, not to bite me. They all literally, today I was gone for six and a half hours because I had this uh, big demonstration and seminar to give and then got stuck in a little traffic and went to visit my mom, who's going to be 90 on May 6th. Yay, mom! Go, mom! And so I was a little later. I normally don't leave them for more than about four hours. They're nine weeks old, and that's where they've been able to go. These puppies were probably set almost seven hours I guess it was by the time I got home with traffic. And do you know that six nine week old puppies, not one of them had an accident in the puppy room. And the puppy rooms it's not like a crate, it's a pretty nice sized room. It's it's the size of like a small nursery or medium sized nursery um that you might have in your house or a really gigundo bathroom. It's definitely you know, a very, very big, um, big area, but they know that they have to hold it. Well, boy, these poor babies. When they finally went potty, they went like, like as much as some of the big dogs go, because they were holding it in because they knew not to make a mess there. Well, when I sell these puppies or or train these puppies to be service dogs for special needs kids, you know, the first thing that people are going to say is, "Oh my gosh, the puppy's so young, he's so well behaved already." Right, because I'm putting the time in now. So if you have a puppy and you're lucky enough to get the puppy at 12 weeks after or, or after, um, where the puppy's been able to be socialized to uh, family and friends and different ages of dogs and mama dogs and siblings and all, um, you know, you wind up having a much better time of it because the the uh, the mama dog is going to be the best you know, leader and the best parent, and if you have other dogs that are well-behaved and well-mannered, they can help with that process. So it's kind of a cool thing, actually, to, you know, have that happen and be able to um, have your dog be, you know, a very stable, uh, well-mannered dog. So, you know, your biggest thing of all is really to make sure that, uh, you know, you're training the dog in a way that it understands and that the dog is able to, um, you know, really become what you want him to become and that he's going to be the best dog in the world. You know, again, the key is to make sure that the dog is going to be, um, you know, around the people and around the things that he's going to be around with later. Uh, For instance, other dogs, little kids, wheelchairs, high chairs, cars, Scooters, bicycles, skateboards, um, air horns, fog horns, car horns, bike horns, um, geese, ducks. Yeah, they're different. Um, Flying birds, waddling birds, all the different things. Even we take our dogs on the upper level of merry-go-rounds to make sure that those dogs are very stable and very in control. So there are so many different aspects to making sure that the service dogs that we train are well-behaved from the beginning. Well, so what happens if you get a dog who you're not lucky enough to be able to have early on? Well, those of you who are married or in a serious relationship, I ask you, if you were raised in the same house with your potential husband or current husband, and if you love each other, let me ask you a question. How do you think you'd feel about it if we took instead of your husband, we took your older brother and raised him in the house with you, and then you had to marry him? And uh, I know personally myself, I love my brother, but I'd kill him if we were married. I mean, that, that'd be weird anyway, because we're not even living in Arkansas. But uh, sorry if you're from Arkansas, just you know, you guys are the butt of the jokes. I'm very sorry. But you're living, you're living with. Uh, with an interesting relationship if you're on the Jerry Springer show. And the whole key here is to teach people what to do and how to act with their dog so that you're not, you know, taking a dog and blaming the dog for things. But imagine if you were born in the house and your mother, let's say, found a baby boy and put you in the house with the baby boy or you know, if you're whatever you are a female is a girl and and now when you're 21, you guys are going to get married. Now, you might like him or her. You might hate him or her. What's the difference? Well, it doesn't matter because you're going to be marrying that person. Well, that's kind of weird. And in my opinion, I could not ever, ever, there's nobody from my childhood that I could get along with easily enough that I could marry somebody and get along with them. So we typically meet. Are people that are in our lives not that we don't have friends when we're young but typically our spouses are people we met when we were older so we assess the and evaluate the adult temperament based on the fact that these um, adults have these particular behaviors or these particular qualities that we enjoy so we take those adults and we work with those adults and say, oh, I really like you, I really like the way you do this, or the way you do that, or I love what you do for a living, or, you know, I, I love your beautiful blue eyes, or whatever it is. But that's the problem with so many different places. They have dogs that they're raising from puppies by people who don't really know what they don't know. I mean, you can think you know, like, oh, I've been training those dogs my whole life. That's like when you hear a four-year-old kid going, I've wanted to go to Disneyland my whole life. And you look at them and you're like, you don't even have a whole life. You can't even tell me that you have a whole life because you don't have a whole life yet. But that's the, the whole point is if you have somebody who's a good puppy raiser, they'll be responsible for raising a good puppy that might get through the program. And if the breeder was a breeder who actually bred puppies, um, the right way and bred them confirmationally so they're not cow and splayed and, you know, they're, they're higher in their hips than in their shoulder, which is, you know, the kiss of death most of the time because it puts too much pressure and weight in the, in the front end, kind of like a front-wheel drive versus a rear-wheel drive car. You know, it, it really doesn't make sense, and it's really um, incumbent on the people who are breeding to be able to keep those puppies to raise them the right way, and then to give them to the people, whether it's a puppy raiser or to you getting your rescue dog. And this way, these dogs don't wind up having serious behavioral issues. So I hope that's elucidating it a bit for you. And we're going to talk a little bit more when I come back, so please stay tuned. We'll be right back.
0: Share the incredible process of shelter dogs whose lives are saved and are saving the lives of special needs children
3: As a dog owner, you know that dogs can eat just about anything, but when food becomes a health troublemaker or your animal has been on antibiotics or heavy meds or GI issues set in, your animal's gut may be out of balance and needs Goo Gut Rescue. Goo Gut Rescue is 100% natural and veterinarian prebiotic and probiotic formulated to rescue your animal's gut from bad bug dominance. Remember, your dog's total health begins with gut health. Don't delay. Visit GooGutRescue.com.
0: Learn how to teach your dog how to be a service dog.
1: And welcome back to From Shelter Dog to Service Dog with Janice Wolf. Well, as I'm watching the puppies playing, and I'm watching Brandy playing with her puppies, and kind of socializing them and teaching them boundaries and limits and and rules, I'm realizing how much I have become a dog. As a matter of fact, when I was probably about 20 years younger, I wrote a book about my life as uh, one of the dogs that I own. Because I've become a dog. Now I'm sure that some people in my past might call me a bitch. I doubt it, though. I think... uh, I'd probably have some other things to call other people. But, you know, I am a dog. I am because I've become that. And that's a good thing, not a bad thing. When you're really into the animals and your dogs understand you and you understand them, you actually are accepted by them as one of their own. That's where your dogs start to follow you and understand why he's following you dogs don't follow you or shouldn't be following you because you have a darn cookie pouch in your pocket or you know always in your purse you have you know 18 milk bones which by the way are terrible so what we want to do is have the dog actually think of us as a dog that's why dogs I mean it's crazy when I see Callie or Cleo or Bella I mean the dogs will be so bonded to me and I haven't even seen them they're still living with other people but the key is that the dogs still think of me the same way they thought of their mama dog, and they will remember me and remember the leadership that I gave them and the rules that I gave them. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing when you see uh, dogs that are you know are socialized and are you know super stable and are around kids all day long and are around adults who have you know sometimes special considerations and needs. And then, you know, you see these dogs who, you know, they see me, and, and I'm not talking only about Ridgebacks. I'm talking about any of my rescue dogs. I've had dogs. There was a dog named Shamrock, and he's actually just about ready to be placed in Texas with an awesome family um, who uh, had suffered a very horrible disaster along with another young lady uh who is getting uh, one of our Ridgebacks. Well, one of the, you know, kind of strange things is every time this dog – sees me and this is not a dog that grew up with me Um, we got the dog as an adult he met me the very first time and basically laid at my feet and everybody because he had come up with another one of my puppies who was Callie's brother and he went crazy when he saw me and recognized me but this other dog Shamrock he saw me he went so crazy and the transporter said oh my gosh these dogs are like nuts about you how long have you had them and I said well the one is mine from you know a year he's a puppy that I raised um, that he was a Wyatt grandson I said but the other one Shamrock I said I've never met him before and if you had seen Shamrock just on his back crying and like like my long lost you know relative who's like oh my mother you know you're here well dog didn't know me Why was he reacting like that? Well, very simply, it's an energy that I have. And I'm not the only one who has this energy. There are other people who have it. There are other people, and we grab them up real quickly for United Canine Professionals and for Merlin's Kids. When people have that natural leadership, the leadership that makes animals and people want to follow them, we want those people. We recruit those people. We train those people. To be able to have the skills and the knowledge to help other people and to help dogs, either as a canine behaviorist through United Canine Professionals, which is eight five five four K nine pros eight five five the number four, letter K the number nine pros, or Merlin's Kids Merlin M E R L I N S K I D S dot org or eight five five hi Wyatt eight five five hi Wyatt. Because what we do is we take people like myself and like many, many others, and um, we have 170, 180, I don't even know how many people in our company for United Canine and 300 and something and Merlin's kids, and we train these people how to, how to do what they need to do to show the dogs that they are the leaders, they're in charge, they're going to help them out, and they're going to protect them and provide. If, if you show a dog Too much affection when you first meet him, he's going to think you're a sucker. Does that mean you're not going to give him affection? No, of course you're going to give him affection. But the second the dog comes to you, don't start throwing cookies in his mouth because, you know, you want to make sure that the dog, first of all, isn't in a fearful or dominant state of mind because otherwise you're going to be rewarding that state of mind and you're going to be making more of the same. So think about making sure first that the dog is in the right frame of mind. And I wouldn't give a dog food the first couple of hours anyway after you first get him because he's excitable and he's upset. And even if he's happy to see you, well, that's excitement. And we don't want to reward an excited state of mind. What we want to do is just teach the dog, honey, I love you, and take that dog for a walk. This is what I want to teach you guys today. Take that dog. When you get your dog, take that dog out a short walk doesn't have to be long walk but when you first get your dog unless it's a little little puppy who doesn't have all of the shots yet you want to take that dog out for a walk on a leash yes on a leash with you leading him or her so you're ahead so you're either in front or right next to the dog preferably you're a little bit ahead or shoulder to shoulder and you're going to take that dog just one or two times around the block around your yard, around the perimeter of your yard, and then go into the house with the dog on the leash. behind you, you start walking literally through your house through the perimeter, the outside of your house. So outside of each bed of each bedroom, of, each- of the kitchen, of the upstairs, of the downstairs on leash. So the dog starts understanding that, hey, this is not mine, this belongs to that lady who's, you know, bringing me around on a leash. Because the leash represents that the dog doesn't have to make decisions. You're going to make the decision. And when you start teaching a dog the right way, from the very beginning, you will have fewer behavioral issues. And let's face it, you can make a dog sit all you want. And, but it's like the olden days where, you know, your your brother would say, Stop it! You're annoying me. Stop it. And you'd stop for about three seconds, and then you'd do it again. you go... Well, you didn't say how long. Well, it's the same thing with dogs. Why do we keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result? And we do it. We're humans. We do that. We do the same thing, expecting something different than what we had the last 400 times. So when you have a dog who has a behavioral issue or you are trying to prevent that behavioral issue from popping up again, most important thing to do is to do something different. And not just doing something different, but doing it the right way. That's where you can get a copy of my book for a whopping $9.99 on Amazon. And it's uh, you can get it for your Kindle. It's called shh, Happens, S-H-H-H, Happens, Dog Behavior 101. And you can get it for your Kindle. If you don't have a Kindle, you can download free Kindle software. Because I don't have a Kindle either. But you can download free Kindle software, and it's a whopping 10 bucks for the book. Um, and the money, the, the little bit of profit that is made goes to Merlin's kids, so you're even helping us um, to rescue more shelter dogs. But the key is understanding why dogs do what dogs do. And the book has so much about genetics and, and might be a little bit over the top and over the head of some people, but I think you'll be all right. But it's got all the genetics. It's got about why you should and shouldn't rescue, why you should and shouldn't buy from a breeder, why you should and shouldn't buy from a pet store. But it tells you why. Everything is why. And if you understand why, then you can help your dog and you can have the best dog in the world. So we've only got one more segment. I don't know why time flies, but stay tuned. We'll be right back.
0: Share the amazing stories of shelter dogs whose lives are changed by changing others.
2: For your dogs, running beside your bike is more rewarding canine exercise than any walk it's also more dangerous. Until now, introducing the amazingly stable Bike Toe Leash, the only safe dog biking attachment approved by the American Pet Association. The Bike Toe Leash installs in seconds on bikes, trikes, power chairs, and mobility scooters. No tools needed, and dogs learn it immediately. With a Bike Toe Leash, both dogs and rider can enjoy fun recreation anywhere, no matter what your ability level. To learn more and order your Bike Toe Leash, visit BikeToeLeash.com. That's leash.com. Bike tow leashes are made in the USA and ship worldwide. That website again is dot com.
0: Share the incredible process of shelter dogs whose lives are saved and are saving the lives of special needs children.
1: And welcome back to From Shelter Dogs to Service Dogs with Janice Wolfe. Well, we've been talking about dogs and how to prevent problems. What do you do when you have a problem already? What do you do when you have a dog who's biting people or who's growling at people or who's dragging you on the leash or who drags you across the streets in Manhattan? And I've had many clients have that happen. What do you do when you have two dogs that are fighting? What do you do when you have two dogs who won't go near each other? well it's the same thing if you think about what causes the problem, every dog will will uh, represent a different issue and will you know come to a, a different starting at the same point what will come to a different resolution. now what does that mean? It means that if you have a dog who's a dominant breed and the dog feels like it's in charge, that dog is going to tend to become Um, more representative of an aggressive dog, a dominant aggressive dog, might go after other dogs on a leash, might go after bikes, might run out the door, might urinate in the house, uh, might jump on people excessively when they come in the door, might scratch up the door, might have separation anxiety. So all of those different manifestations of the behavior happen not because that it's a different situation, but just because it's a different uh, individual dog. Now, if you take the same exact things and take a fearful dog, well, a fearful dog isn't typically going to jump on people. If it's fear aggressive or fearful, typically they're going to be the last dog to jump because they don't even want to go near you. But why are they dangerous? Well, because when you go after a dog who's fearful, you're setting them up for failure. You're giving them no choice but to bite or to snap or to cower, and you're setting them up to fail. So let's take the one common fallacy, all right? All pit bulls are bad. Oh, you know how bad pit bulls are. They're terrible. They eat little children in their sleep. Well, but is it completely untrue? Why do they have that reputation? Well, they have that reputation because when they do damage, they do a lot of damage. Take a dog like a Chihuahua or a Yorkie. Well, they bite many more times and many more people than often than pit bulls will. But because pit bulls are large, they do do damage. Now, I've seen kids disgusting excuses for humans who have shaved down lead from sinkers for fishing and have actually fed lead chips or lead pieces or lead dust or even gunpowder to dogs when they're young to make them crazy. And you know what? You never know when you're getting a puppy, a rescue pit. You never know what it was bred to do. You never know who bred it and what kind of beginnings it had. So does that mean you shouldn't rescue one? No, it doesn't. But don't do stupid things with that dog and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to let that dog, I'm going to let my kid, you know, jump on this dog's back and and attack it and play with it because the dog might not be used to it. And this is one of the reasons that I think so many people need to have much, much more knowledge and much, much more training, like like the training I provide at 11th Hour Rescue, which I'm there quite a bit. And we actually offer free training classes. Anybody who's in New Jersey who's looking to rescue a dog, you can actually uh, contact 11th Hour. They'll let you know when the um, events are that I'll be ha- handling. And what's nice about it is we give a lifetime guarantee, so when I work or one of our amazing people from United Canine Professionals works with your dog, you have a lifetime guarantee, so for the rest of the life of that dog, you've got our help. It's very, very important because so many people wind up hiring a trainer, an obedience or clicker or whatever, or God forbid, a shock collar or a police trainer who's you know flying the dog over your head on a choker chain, and yes, that happens. Um, But that's where you want to make sure that you have somebody who is going to nurture that relationship, that connection between you and the dog, build up trust and respect between you and the dog so that the dog will naturally want to follow. I don't give my dogs cookies because I want them to follow me. I give my dogs treats and make them organic chicken and do all kinds of cool stuff for them because I love them, because that's why I have them. I want to be able to do all kinds of fun things for them. I want to take them out. Like today I took Savannah and Romeo with me to the school, and and yesterday I had Wyatt, and I think I had Wyatt with and Lexi, and a couple days before that I had somebody else. I don't know who else I had, but I always take different dogs with me. And, you know, what's great is to be able to look out there and look at my pups every day and say, yeah, Wyatt only, um, Brandy only, and Lexi only. And only those three dogs will walk out the door. They will wait for me. I will open the car door or the back hatch, and then, you know, they'll just wait for me, and then they'll go right in there. They don't run off. They don't go chase the neighbor's cat. That's what's amazing to to me is that I can have that level of respect from my dogs that I don't have to distrust them. Now, can you do that? Well, I mean, you could try it you might wind up with a problem. But, you know, again, the issue is not really um, ordering your dogs around, but teaching your dogs what you expect in different situations so that they'll follow you naturally. Part of that is that when you're training, you know, your dog or you're teaching your dog how to do things, is don't use the name of the dog in vain. (laughs) I know that's a big one and it's almost a joke, but Don't use your dog's name in anger. Don't yell, and let's say your dog's name is Max. Max, come here now. Max, Max. Can you imagine poor Max? He's got to be going, my human has lost it. There's no way, dog's green earth, that I am going to go near that human. I will just run over to the neighbor because he's not screaming. That's what happens so often because you're yelling at your dog. Now, for those of you who have middle names, and especially if you're of an Italian descent, if your name is Anthony Michael, and, you know, whatever your last name, and you hear, Anthony, that's probably dinner time, you hear, Anthony Michael, you are in trouble, boy, you did something to tick off the mama, so we don't want to use the dog's name in a negative light and say, you know, Max. Bad, Max, bad, because all he hears is that his name is now associated with negativity and with potentially being hit or potentially being yelled at and certainly an unstable energy. So why do you really think that Max is going to come back to you? If your dog runs off, you get the happy voice. You go, come on, Maxie, let's go, and you turn and you walk the other way and your dog will follow you. If your dog does not follow you, don't get on the, you know, get on the horn and and hire a lawyer and say, well, Janice said this would work because I don't know what you're doing with your dog. If you're yelling at your dog and you're chasing your dog, your dog is going to run away from you. It doesn't take a brain surgeon. Man, if I saw some crazy person on the street screaming my name and waving, you know, what appears to be a machete but could be a leash or a stick or whatever you've got in your hand, I'm going to be running for the hills. So why do we do that to our dogs and expect our dogs to come in, to follow us, and to trust us? And if you have a problem with your dog, leave it at, at the house. If, you, if you're mad at him that he ran away, you take care of it another way, and then you teach him not in that moment, but you teach him in another moment. The key is right now to get that dog back to safety, to get him back into his home, so he understands that he's got to, you know, come to you when you call him. One of the neat little tricks you can use is, uh, well, you know what? I'm going to tell you that next week because I don't want to go over. But, you know, if you do have a dog with a behavioral issue, you should call us at 855, the number four, letter K, number nine, PROS, eight five five four k 9 pros or get in touch with us at www.united.com the letter K, the number nine, professionals, with an S, dot .com, or 855 hi Wyatt, or 855 hi Wyatt, or however you say it. It's still fun to say. Or www.merlinkids.org and you can look up all of the amazing programs we have. We can not only help you and your dog who may have behavioral issues, we can potentially, if you make the cut, we can train you, to be able to help us to help save more dogs so we don't have 4 million dead dogs next year like we had this year and last year and the year before that. Help us to help the dogs out there and make a difference in the world. Thanks for tuning in, and talking to us and, and listening to us, and we'll see you next week here. Have a great week.
0: Learn how to teach your dog how to be a service dog.